up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans, for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined down the line on Zoom by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Tom, how are you, mate? Very good, thanks, mate. Yeah, um, uh, shame not to, to be with you uh, this time, but as you know, had to um, return back to my, my home in, in Bristol for work, but um you know, uh, enjoying seeing uh, your new buzz cut um, down the the wonders that that are Zoom. Looks like your uh, your beard's uh, as long, if not longer, than your hair there, Jay. Yeah, I know. I watched the 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 Bath Clash game against Leicester, which we're going to come on to talk about. I think I was inspired by Kane Palmer Newport. A little bit of uh, a way to go, certainly on, on the beard front. But yeah, backed into a corner on the hair front, had to act, and yeah, the razor came out at the weekend. So. Um, yeah, buzz cut. Hopefully, will be locked away for time for it to grow back. Because, um, yeah, not exactly uh, the best of looks, I don't think. But you've gone for the kind of grow it out look. It looks like uh, a darker version of Dave Denton. Yeah, I think uh, you know, seeing what I can, uh, what I can do, more like Max Clark, I would say, with the <laughs> uh, with the main. But um, tried the beard as well, as you know. But um, certainly, uh, certainly didn't suit me. Only, only hit a couple of uh, chins really, and probably looked more like. Like, uh, more like Tom Ellis, I think, with uh, um, with not a lot going on in terms of in terms of facial hair. But uh, yeah, it's um, strange times, really. How have you been? Uh, how have you been keeping busy watching uh, plenty of of sport that you've been digging up from the archives? I imagine. Yeah, trying to keep myself uh, sane by watching some old sport for sure during this yeah bizarre, crazy, um, pretty bleak time to be honest um no live sport obviously very little uh, communication with anyone on the outside world so nice to be getting back together with you mate um obviously back together for the first time since we did our uh, review of the 1998 heineken cup final win against breve and um, if you haven't checked that one out uh, please do go back and listen to that one really enjoyed uh, doing that and, and some of the feedback we've got has been fantastic so if you haven't uh, listen to that then then please do go back and listen to it but yeah a couple of weeks um, without doing one of these podcasts managed to fill my time somehow but I'm um, really looking forward to, to getting into to another game and pretending at least for an hour like uh, it's a normal Monday evening um, and we've had a, a bath game to talk about. Yeah you know I said this last week I think it is obviously highly highly frustrating um, to, to use your word G that there's no there's no live rugby on and you know Obviously, with the Premiership being being pushed back uh, a few weeks more, we don't know when we're gonna we're gonna get live rugby, um, either or the domestic or, or international season. With obviously amateur rugby also also being cancelled across the country. G, so you know you're not even getting out to to run out on a on a weekly basis. But it is a a good time to to step back and uh, relive some of the some of the great days. And I was really glad when I saw that the club had decided to to put on the the stream. You know, you can go back and watch pretty much any game of, of rugby that you want from pretty much any era on YouTube or um, the Premiership Rugby website's really good for, for, for Premiership games. But it's not often that sort of every um, or, or, you know, lots of fans from a club get back or, or get together virtually, as it were, and watch a, watch a game together. And, you know, the club covered sort of minute by minute um, commentary of the, 
of the clash, the 2017 first clash at Twickenham on social media. And I felt actually that it was as close as possible, really, to, to anything like live sports that I've experienced since the lockdown. So, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. And um, some very, very happy memories from, from that day, Jay. So you, you say you've not been checking out the, the virtual darts tour uh, that, that they've put together. Um, if we think this is a haphazard production on this podcast, then that is something else to behold. You've not been checking that live sport out, mate. Well, I think the only person with uh, um, kind of a, a less of a, a lesser Gary Andal to, um, to call in to the um, to, to, to the virtual darts because his uh, because his internet speed wasn't wasn't quick enough, so he had to pull out of that particular particular competition. But um, yeah, you know, sport as with everything else, are throwing up some some interesting ideas, some some new things in this. Uh, in this new world we we live in and uh you know yeah somehow managing to to keep myself entertained you yeah i think the the perfect moment to have a lag in the audio there as you were saying how bad the the internet connection was but um yeah i think we're the idea of this again like we did with the, the 1998 final is to kind of park um what's going on in the world not talk about um the the, the crisis and the lack of rugby and kind of what the future may hold for rugby, for Premiership rugby. There's also been no real news around Bath rugby. So we're going to kind of try and take ourselves back almost exactly three years um, to the day, Tom, and kind of relive this 2017 clash, as we said, which the club um, did show uh, on YouTube on, on Saturday afternoon um, and kind of ignore what's going on around us and try and give the, the listeners and ourselves um, a well-earned 45-minute uh, um, to an hour break or however long we'll be um, away from coronavirus and just talking about the, the, the blue, black and white, um, Tom. So uh, obviously this is, um, the, they showed the game uh, on, on Saturday afternoon when the actual clash uh, this year against Wasps um, was meant to, to be happening. Um, but the one in seven, 2017, which took place at Twickenham against Leicester Tigers, um, it was the first uh, of these, uh, the, the new uh, sort of clash game that, that Bath had, um, that Bath had, and, uh, Bath had put on, um, the, the first uh, home fixture for Bath in, in uh, ever away from the wreck. And I think certainly there was some trepidation from, uh, from, from Bath fans going away and kind of relinquishing the, the home advantage that we may have had in the uh, and in such an important game, which it turned out to be, uh, nonetheless, Tom, sixty-two thousand people did turn up. Um, uh, we were we were two of them, um, along with uh, some some other of, of our friends. What were your kind of um, memories from the day, if you if you've got any? Um, it was it was your birthday, I think. So uh, pretty sure we we ensured you you left with with not much memory. Yeah, I think um, you know towards the you know the the exciting latter bits of, of the game was all come on to potentially uh, my memory was a was a bit hazy um, probably being the, the apt word after after a few Thatchers um, that afternoon but you know as as you say I sort of went there with a bit of trepidation there'd been you know a fair bit of controversy and I think a lot of Bath fans were were pretty skeptical about the idea but then sort of as soon as you um, you know. Um, came up into the stands and um, and saw all the seats in uh, at, at HQ at Twickenham with blue, black, and white colours, with the flags on the seats, um, and it was a spectacular day. Brilliant conditions. Uh, the, the pitch looked an absolute picture. 
I think everyone was sort of was sort of put at ease massively. And you know, to get sixty two thousand people, as you say, um, for for a bath game is is pretty unprecedented. Well, potentially, you know, record attendance from a from a bath domestic perspective. So um, it was absolutely brilliant. The atmosphere, sort of building up to the the game itself, was great. Every single year, Bath have put on a real, real show at Twickenham. And um, I think, you know, the first occasion was absolutely no different. It was, uh, yeah, Twickenham was bubbling. Yeah, it really was. I, I think that's absolutely right. Um, and, and kind of, I understand the, the fears and, and I think I can imagine that still some Bath fans don't like the idea of, of kind of having this game away from the wreck, particularly season ticket holders who potentially don't feel like they're getting value for money um, with that ticket, kind of putting extra money on, 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 on getting to the ground and, and this, that and the other. But um, yeah, certainly from, from both of our perspectives, it, it, is, is, it is one of the... Um, one of the, the best, not if not the best weekend of the season. And that is why I think kind of, I found it um, initially certainly really tough to, to watch this game back on, on Saturday afternoon because, you know, at the end of the day, we were meant to be at the at Twickenham for, for a live game, for, for a, a game hopefully with lots riding on it against Wasps, as I mentioned. Um, and, and obviously in contrast to, to kind of watching it at home, watching a rerun at home, um, it was pretty difficult to watch, I found, Tom. kind of It, it kind of gave you an idea of what, what potentially you could and should have been doing um, on, on, on Saturday. Yeah, you know, the web has been, been fantastic over... The last few weeks and it would have been fantastic to go and uh, watch the watch the game against Wasps but you know not to be and, and, and we know why and uh, you know never you never know later in the season the game may be postponed and we may get to to make the trick to, to, to Twickenham or at least the wreck I hope to watch uh, to watch another game this season but gee I was I, I was interested in in looking at the teams prior mm. to the game because that's what I think really brings it brings it back to perspective when you when you see some of the personnel on both sides um, uh, uh, you know Bath and Leicester and how those players have moved on in some cases how they've improved and are now totally different players uh, in, in other cases and in other cases G how they've actually switched places what yeah. was your uh, what were your um, sort of initial uh, impressions when you when you saw that when you saw that team sheet again yeah it's difficult I was trying to kind of um, I was trying to think do I think that that Bath team from from 1 to 23 is uh, stronger now than it than it was um, then and um, to kind of give a bit of perspective of that I turned to to Twitter at Bath Rugby Plug um, and Callum Goffran's got in touch saying Bath squad has improved since those days with the exception of two areas 9 and 10 uh, back, back then in 2017, the front row of rubbish. Stuke and especially Yules are much better players now. In contrast to that, uh, Ben Bruce Smiths uh, got in touch with us saying um, that, uh, sorry, it wasn't Ben Bruce Smith, sorry, it was um, Tom Scriven got in touch with us saying he's finding it difficult to, to rerun, to watch these reruns of games. Um, because the gulf between now and then is hard to take. And I, I kind of think that certainly in some areas, um, we are certainly weaker. And I think, you know, the, 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 the obvious place to start with that is the, the, the fly half position where um, the, the swap was about to take place in the summer. I, you know, the, the deal had already been agreed and announced. So, you know, it was kind of a weird atmosphere even at the time. And, and just seeing the contrast um, between the way that, that 
George Ford, you know, magically at times pulled the strings and, and marshaled his forwards and, and kind of orchestrated that back line um, to, to Freddie Burns is much more pragmatic game. And I think pragmatics potentially being generous to the way he played, uh, you know, there was no sort of running threat. The Leicester backs, um, aside from a few instances from, from Toulouse Veanu, the kind of individual instances really did nothing in attack. And I think, you know, that swap certainly makes made Bath um, worse now than, than what we were. But then I look at kind of the team as a whole, and I do actually think that it's potentially a little bit stronger. And I'm particularly thinking about the front five of the scrum, Tom. Um, and I think that, that Callum absolutely hits the nail on the head that Stuk and Yules are certainly better players now. I think the, you know, Elliot Stuke's playing some of his best rugby now. And, and back then he was kind of a bit younger, a bit more inexperienced. And the same can be said for Charlie Yules. But I think particularly that front row, Tom, which I know is an area of expertise for you. Um, you know, now we speak about how, how, how strong we are there, but particularly how, how much strength and depth we've got there. But on this occasion, back in 2017, you know, Palmer Newport, um, Kat and uh, Batty starting, but then Brooker, Abano uh, and, and Sean Knight off the bench isn't as strong. You know, Abano, uh, a much younger, much more inexperienced guy back then, kind of it isn't as strong. And Batty having to play 80 minutes and, and kind of maybe that area being exploited by Leicester, I think that's certainly an area we've now improved on. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I've hopped on many, many times this season and towards the end of last season about how encouraged and excited I am about the, you know, the young group of, of front row prospects that we've got. I think in in 2017, so so um, in in this in this season, we had some you know some really good operators. So Nathan Cat, we know what class player he is. Tom Dunn was around. Ross Batty's always been a, a solid performer. Henry Thomas as well. But then you felt that you know the other guys in and around that that area. So Palmer Newport, uh, Sean Knight, Max Laheath, Anthony Peronese. These were guys that were, were were decent operators and were experienced and had been around the block, but potentially lacked. The ambition that guys like Will Stewart have got, Ben Obano now, um, I think to, to a much greater extent than than, than back three years ago, um, and the other guys um, as as well that have that have come into the fold, Christian Judge and and Lewis Boyce as well. So you're right, we're a completely different uh, side in that department, both in terms of um, uh, just just I think pedigree and also ambition, um, and those guys in in the second row have come on massively since that point in time. You know, Elliot Stook is in most conversations about the England wider squad now. Charlie Yules generally will go um, to Penny Hill Park for the wider squad training sessions. Back then, those guys were, were kind of not really on the radar for, for England and was very much still, still finding their, their, you know, their shape in a, in a blue, black and white shirt. So you're completely right, G, and I, I, I completely agree with, with Callum, as you say. I think 9 and 10 were where we... we we see a massive difference and, and it feeds through really to, to the style of play. So you mentioned George Ford and, and he was absolutely superb throughout the whole game, offering a genuine running threat, which is what I, I think people don't necessarily always remember with Ford, a genuine running threat. He, he made a couple of half breaks, found the offload to, to the men outside him and just create space and danger wherever he is, either by passing, kicking or running. He really is a, a, a triple threat. And then Khan Fotwili as well, who I think just, you know, towards the end of his career, he potentially had, had seen better days and, and he went out, um, you know, on his shield with those guys that I mentioned, the Lahif, uh, Atwood, Peronese, etc. sort of the old guard of, of Bath rugby. 
But but watching that game back just reminded me of how classy he was yeah. uh, in a bath shirt. He's, he's got quick ball. He's so controlled. He makes the right decisions. He sees opportunities. And, and I think, you know, we are now potentially lacking that sort of buzz and, and, um, and sharpness in, in the nine shirts. Um, all in all, though, I'd, yeah, I think I'd agree with you. I think we, we are stronger. The guys that are in there have, have come on. Um, and um, there are some younger, um, I think, more talented guys kind of waiting in the wings as well. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And with the addition um, of, 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 of guys, key guys in key positions, I think that the, the current squad could look considerably stronger than that squad did back in 2017. But let's get into the game, Tom. Um, and, and as you say, kind of as you walked up the steps on that day, you saw the bright sunlight. Uh, you saw Bath's backline. You saw Taolupe Falatao. You saw all the blue, black, and white flags. And the atmosphere was fantastic. The new shirt as well. We should yeah, have mentioned. terrible new shirts um, and, and, and comfortably sporting a new haircut. But despite all that, um, a terrible start um, from Bath, um, overplaying with the ball, I think way too much in the wrong area. Um, and then when Leicester got the opportunities, um, in fairness to them, they, they took them nicely. But Bath's defence in that first sort of uh, 10, 10 to 15 minutes, um, allowing Leicester to score two tries, both of which come from from kind of system errors. Uh, you know, we look really um, lethargic, sleepy, unorganised, and it was a terrible start for, for us on that day. Yeah, it looked like the atmosphere had, had got to us. The occasion had, had become a bit too too much for us. There was an interview um, sort of during the game with with Toby Booth midway through the, through the first half, and he echoed exactly what you were saying there, G, just too poor... Uh, system errors um, that that led to led to two scores, and it, it was as simple as that. Really, missed tackles uh, in defence, and then just Watson uh, being out of position slightly, and, and Veanu, who was by far and away the sharpest player in that Leicester Tigers team, or at least in the Leicester Tigers backline, was was kind of on top of us straight away, and 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 made us pay for that. So yeah, like you say, two two poor errors, but. I think two instances where we weren't switched on and I think it then became clear that we um, kind of woke up a bit and that it was actually going to be, be a very, very even game. It wasn't like Leicester Tigers were just different, different class for us in the first 15 minutes and they were going to run away with the game. They were clearly kind of two um, kind of unforced errors from, from Bath. But, you know, I remember being there, stood up in the, in, in the stands um, uh, with one of my mates who, who's a Leicester fan and he was, um, he was pretty confidently... Um, uh, tucking into his tucking into his pint, I think, with his with his Leicester shirt on, one of the and one of the few Leicester shirts you could you could make out. And I think um, he was, uh, yeah, he was he was feeling pretty confident because we just weren't at the races initially. Yeah, just to un- underline that point, Tom. I think that we had seventy five percent possession in that first fifteen minutes, and they only had three percent territory in our 22 and yet the score was uh, 12-0 inside the first 15 minutes which yeah I don't think uh, reflected the game as a whole but certainly reflected um, you know two moments of quality from Leicester and and two moments of real sleepiness from Bath. Um, We then I think began to sort of grow into the game a little bit Tom Um, and yeah Ford kind of taking the ball to the line um, real running threat as you said and also Jonathan Joseph kind of stepping into that first receiver um, position a lot and and uh, taking it from Fotoliti and kind of moving the point of attack from from just one pass to the forward runners and then to sort of making it two passes shifting the 
the, the Leicester forwards around, which I think uh, began to tell later on in the day or, or on a hot day. And I think kind of the way that um, Ford and Joseph um, grew into the game as playmakers and as uh, as first receivers um, was kind of the one of the main reasons why we were able to sort of assert ourselves a little bit better in the game. Yeah, I think some of the, you know, the real classy moments in the game were, were from Bath and they were far and far, and far between. Now, I think it was a very, very hot day and I think both sets of players were, were struggling with the pace um, uh, during parts of that game. But, you know, a lovely break from, from Toby Falatau, who made a few of them during the game, obviously, as we'll, we'll come on to in the second half. And then, yeah, George Ford just making it look so, so easy, taking the ball to the line, lovely floating pass. Um, and JJ in, in absolutely acres of, of space. I think when, you know, when those guys are playing like that, they are so, so difficult to beat. And I, I know my overriding feeling watching that, that game back on Saturday was just we just don't see that kind of sharp edge finishing now. And mm-hmm. you know, some of the personnel is the same, but the, you know, the glaring um, omission, the name that is not on that team sheet anymore is, is George Ford. Um, and uh, I think... You know that has you know there wasn't much coming from attacking perspective from 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 Leicester Tigers. So I think it really does show that having that world class fly half, who's able to pick those opportunities, pick those passes, um, just unleashes the the talented guys like Joseph outside him. Yeah, I think what Ford needs, and when Ford's kind of at his best, which he kind of started to become in in the second half of that first half, is when the the forward runners are genuine threats with the ball in hand, and like Toby Falatau and um, uh, and Francois Lowe, just kind of began to get over the game line, and when they they're a threat, that means that Ford's then got the the kind of option, and and, and the defenders then have to make the decision. Uh, whether to to stick with the forward runner or go with the the guy out the back, and there's no one better at kind of assessing the options and choosing the right pass than, than George Ford. So yeah, as you say, um, Jonathan Joseph in into the corner on 22 minutes to make it seven um, twelve. Tom, um, and, and yeah, we we began to grow into the game, made it ten twelve on on 27 minutes. We did really well, I think, actually, to score the next ten points because even though, as you say, um, the the, the that Leicester's 12 points maybe weren't 100% merited. That game potentially could have started to get away from us. So I think we did really yeah. well um, to score uh, the next kind of 10 points, make it 10-12. The, the crowd, you could sense, began to sort of grow into the game again. Um, and, and yeah, Bath Bath kind of back into the game at 10-12. Then kind of... Um, the scrum started to have a, a bit of an impact on the game, Tom. And Bath certainly uh, initially getting um, on the wrong side of JP Doyle, conceding the first three penalties uh, and four of the first five penalties, uh, all in that first half. Um, one of which did lead to a Leicester penalty. What was your re- Leicester sort of three points? What was your reading? on the scrum on the day? I know we spoke about Bath's lack of depth in that area. Do you think that we were kind of just out-muscled? Yeah, we, we were struggling big time, you know. Um, we mentioned the guys out injured, potentially, um, uh, you know, at, at that point. Particularly the guys on the bench were were less experienced guys who'd not really been at the club. So Sean Knight, um, I think only the club one or two seasons and, and Chris Brooker just for the for the one season on loan from, from Bristol. So it wasn't, um, a particularly, uh, you know, um, well-reinforced position on, on that day. Leicester, on the other hand, with Genge, Youngs and Cole, um, you know, a nice balance, particularly three years ago, I think, of experience 
at top, top level and also freshness. So Ellis Genge in his first season for, mm. for Leicester Tigers, which um, I hadn't realised going, going into the game, you know, obviously a big time player, obviously a lot of potential at that point in time. And he was clearly revelling in the, um, in, in, the, in, in the atmosphere and in the, in the adversity of all the Bath support at Twickenham. And he was definitely getting the better of, of Kane Palmer Newport, who was, who was struggling. But I think, gee, you know, going into the, um, the, you know, the latter part of the, the first half and into the second half, I think that was an area where we, we really started to, to turn it around. You know, a couple of very, very important penalties um, uh, in that kind of scrappy st- sort of start to the, to the second half there meant that the game didn't get away from us, as you say, because we were 10-15 down. A couple of penalties there or, you know, Leicester um, take a punt and, and go for the corner then suddenly they're into to mid-20s and it's becoming very, very difficult with players' legs starting to, to get tired in, in very, very hot conditions. So um, I think that was, you know, those guys struggled early on, but did very, very well, I think, to, to come back and get at least parity into that, into that second half. Yeah. So, yeah, we did get um, a, 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 a scrum penalty, as you say, on 50-minute Mark um, kind of made it 13-18, you say, moving into the second half. And and I do kind of um, feel like at this point, um, the, the game was just starting to, to kind of meander in, in, that, in the start of that, that second half. Like, not much was happening, kind of both teams showing a bit of endeavour, you know, the scrum becoming more even, but both teams kind of making a lot of errors. So Leicester made seven, Leicester had seven handling errors just in the first half. And I do feel like neither team um, was really grabbing hold of the game, Tom, in, in that first 20 minutes of that second half. You kind of felt like that was where the game was and, and it was for, for one of the teams um, to, to kind of go and grab by, by the scruff of the neck. Um, and, and kind of moving on to, 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 the, to the last 20 minutes of the game, that's exactly um, what, what we did. Um, so, yeah, we, we went 13-21 down on 65 minutes and it just started to drift away from us. And then Talupe Falatau, um, someone we've spoken about, has got the potential, the ability to do this, uh, entered beast mode once again, as, as, as uh, Nick Mullins so aptly put it on, on the BT Sport commentary. A fabulous uh, break, beating two defenders from, from kind of nothing, really. A lovely line, a nice ball from JJ. Uh, and then he set Anthony Watson away on his outside to, to score a key try um kind of showing what Falatau can do if we can just get him on the bloody field exactly what I was thinking you know watching games back from from a few seasons ago when you've got most of the same personnel I think is a really timely reminder of how kind of short-sighted you can be when it comes to top players like that you know, when we don't get Toby Falatau in a bath shirt for for a few games suddenly people are saying is he worth the money should he should he stay at bath you know there have been rumors of him him going to Ospreys next season. And when you watch back games like that, you just realise the quality uh, that those players can add to, to a team. He had an absolutely fantastic game, G. Um, you know, as you say, from absolutely nothing, just breaks the line, steps around Ben Young's, you know, in his prime as England scrum half at that, that point in time, and then finds a perfect pass to, to Anthony Watson. But you know what I like the most about that? That whole try and the most Toby Falatau bit about that that whole try is that he slipped out of of beast mode fairly quickly because he he sort of bounded over in the way that he does to to celebrate with Anthony Watson and just as he was going to celebrate with him trips over and absolutely stacks it on the <laughs> and I thought that was just that's just the perfect 
Um, you know, if you want to know what Toby Falatel's about, watch that 20 seconds of play. Uh, be, be sort of lolloping around in the back line, not really looking like he's, he's doing anything. Then bang, straight into to beast mode, as you say, sets up a try and then returns back to, um, you know, to the, uh, to the Toby Falatel that, that, that we know, resting Toby Falatel. Um, an efficiency of movement, G, but um, got us straight back in the game with that with that break. Yeah, I, I can see what you mean, and, and there's no doubt that that Falatau had a fantastic game, fantastic um, game actually all round. He, he was really um, he, he, had, he was really a threat with his running, but I, I can kind of see when people say is he, is he kind of worth it at Bath because these moments have just been so few and far between. Yeah, watching this kind of makes you think, you know, what can happen? But there's got to be a point when when you think, you know, it isn't working for, for both parties. Um, and, and, and you can kind of see that maybe the, the money could be better spent elsewhere. And, and often when he does get fit, he's, he's, he's gone with Wales. So, yeah, watching these games back it is a timely reminder how good he is. But I also think that, you know, there have been plenty of games, particularly this season, where when he hasn't kind of entered beast mode enough. Um, and and he, even when he has had a little run of games, um, he has, I think, been slightly disappointing of late for Bath. So, yeah, hopefully he can return to, to, to those ways. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't 100% say, take this game and think, you know, oh, we have to kind of keep Falatau because he can do this once a season. No, but I think, you know, taking us back to the, the present just, just very briefly, I think hopefully the one positive that, that potentially can come from, from this period of, of inactivity, you know, no training at, at Farley House, is that players like him who struggle with injuries, struggle with fitness, can get genuine rest. You know, the international players, particularly the guys that, 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 that went on the, the, the Lions tour um, last year, they, they play so much rugby and they just don't get get much of a rest so if anything from a longevity perspective and a kind of injury prevention perspective um i guess the you know being a blind optimist the one thing i would i would take from um you know from all this inactivity and from the um the the impact of the pandemic on rugby is that these guys can hopefully um you know come back stronger when we do um return to rugby and then we might see sort of beast mode on a on a more frequent basis tree Mm, yeah, fingers crossed. I think that is definitely an optimistic way of looking at the current situation, mate. But um, yeah, much needed moment of quality, I, I think, and, and put us only one point behind um, with, with 12 minutes to go. And then kind of that, the next five minutes was, was kind of the only five minutes, I think, when we play really well for, for, for kind of even um, multiple phases at a time. Uh, and it is the five minutes which, which decide the game in our favour. So, so JP Peterson, yellow carded for a deliberate knock-on in 69 minutes um, from the resulting penalty. Uh, we, we go to the, the corner from the lineup. We go wide, trying to exploit, obviously, no winger. And then fantastically done from the Bath backs. Um, the, the kind of clip, which I think everyone remembers from this game, where, where Banahan kind of t- goes to tuck it as if he's going to crash up. But, um, you know, like so often with Banahan's career, it's the subtlety of his game, which makes him such a threat with ball in hand. The kind of no-look pass to Anthony Watson on the loop. And, um, yeah, uh, Twickenham erupted, Tom. I certainly erupted. Uh, poured a, a pint of Guinness all over uh, a Leicester Tigers fan, white jeans who was sitting behind me, um, which didn't go down very well. But um, yeah, pandemonium in the stands, pandemonium on the field, an absolutely fantastic moment. 
brilliant moment. I think one of my um, one of my favourite moments as, as a Bath fan. You know, there kind of basking in Twickenham Twickenham sunlight. There with all your mates. Um, Bath come from from behind uh, with two late tries to to win the game. Um, you know, how often do you say that in 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 times gone by? So often it's the other day. Um, and a brilliant moment from um, uh, from Matt Banahan, and and who who else really could could have that final final pass to Anthony Watson to to mm. finish a great Bath man and and a great Bath moment. And you know, looking back at it now, the clash was controversial, as I said, and they'd signed up to do to do three of them. Since that point, they've you know two more have been in the diary against Bristol and Wasps. And I think if you know if that game had turned out to be a bit of a a bit of a damp squib. And then Leicester had kind of pulled away a bit, and the game had sort of um, petered out into to a Bath loss. It would have been very difficult to to try and recreate that, and to try and generate the same kind of enthusiasm for for the for the clashes that that followed that one. And I think those two tries from Anthony Watson, particularly that iconic moment from from Matt Banahan with the Watson celebration, um, I think kind of allowed that to happen, and 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 made. Um, you know, uh, kind of turned any doubters that there had previously been um, into um, I- into fans of the clash. Yeah, it was definitely difficult to kind of be there on the day, um, kind of experience that moment and not want to go back um, every year again. I, I think that's spot on. And um, yeah, Tarkin and Bruce probably looked at each other and realised that they'd stumbled across uh, something which can, uh, yeah, certainly uh, line the pockets and pay the, the wages and maybe even pay for the Stadium of Bath with, with, with the clash. I think that's absolutely right. An iconic moment, um, both the past, but also the kind of Watson's um, celebration in the sun, yeah. Um, perfect for, for for the Bath media team. Um, yeah, you know, you never know. They may even uh, choose to roll out a podcast on the Clash one day, mate. Um, invitation. Um, but yeah, <laughs> moving on to kind of the last uh, ten minutes of the the game. So we went twenty seven twenty one up, and I feel like you know, even though Beno Abano uh, went off for a, for a yellow card at the scrum, kind of a team scrum yellow card. Oh. Um, I think Tigers were were really unable to transfer from kind of the kicking pragmatic game plan they'd had with Burns. They brought Williams on, and and they really they couldn't kind of um, move themselves into more running rugby. And I think you know they that that the last ten minutes kind of played out quite comfortably for for a Bath fan, um, despite you know I think the one moment of, of real uh, memory yeah. was uh, the Rocket Aguni uh, a, a moment on the touchline. Well, I was going to say, G, we were, um, we, as we always do, we made, um, we made it a bit of a roller coaster at the end. Um, and, and, you know, all Bath fans, I think all 60, um, 61,990 Bath fans that were in, in Twickenham that day, I think everyone's hearts were, were in their mouths for, for one moment. You know, we were sort of seesawing um, from phase to phase, as you often see with, with teams trying to run down the clock. Um, so often that does lead to a lead to a penalty with players sealing off or coming in the side and just kind of not being accurate and disciplined um, right at the end there. Um, the, the referee gave the JP ball gave the gave the penalty. Um, you know a very ambitious kick from um, from from Owen Williams I think who, who had come on yeah. at that point um, uh, kicked it down. And if that had gone out into touch, that would have been very very near the the five meter line. Um, but uh, yeah, as you say, Rocket Aguni. With an incredibly athletic save, and um, I think it was Ben Bruce Smith 
who um who, who tweeted uh, tweeted us a, a screenshot of that, and I I've I've retweeted it. Just get a get a look at uh, at that take from Rocco on his tiptoes, right on the line, holding the ball, which has definitely crossed the the plane of the line, by the way. Um, but bringing it back in, and you know, um, perfect ending really from a guy that hadn't been involved uh, uh, to a great extent um, during that game, but kind of came to the fore um, when it when it mattered, held the ball. Um, and then, yeah, as you say, ran down the the last few seconds, kicked it out, and and pandemonium in in Twickenham, both in the stands and also on the pitch. Jay. Yeah, I think um, fair play to Lawrence Delalio. Not often you hear me say that, but he described it as balletic, and I think actually that was a perfect word for it. You know, Rocco Laguni, a big guy, but um, so nimble uh, and never shown more appropriately and more obviously in that moment. Yeah, I think. If there had been a, a line out on the five meter line, as you suggest, you know, particularly without Ben Urbano on the field, who'd been yellow carded, um, it would have been really um, kind of nervous and, and, and kind of dangerous position for Bath to be in, given what we know about uh, the fragility of the side sometimes at the death. So, yeah, Rocco kind of got his forwards out of a hole there. And, yeah, we ran the game out and um, ended up, you know, 27-21 victors on the day, Tom. Uh, yeah, fantastic uh, day out. A fantastic result, um, a fantastic finish. Um, and, and into the Twickenham night we went to, to celebrate your birthday properly. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, as I say, one of the one of the great days I think in in recent seasons, and it meant that every year since I've been on the train um, with with loads of other Bath fans, probably starting on the tins a little bit too early in the morning uh, to go and watch every single clash that that there has been. And I don't think that's gonna gonna change anytime soon. Uh, soon, a brilliant game. Um, really good of of the club to kind of. Um, put it in one central place so that everyone could could get involved. But I think you know if you if you weren't able to to watch the the live stream, um, the game the full game is available with commentary and and, and everything else build up etc. On the Premiership Rugby website. So we'll um, we'll tweet out a, a link with with this podcast um, and um, so you can and sort of go back. That means, I'll tweet, that means I'll tweet out a link. Yeah, I'm just giving you instructions. It's just, it's just saves time. Um, <laughs> um, as I say, and if you go back and um, and watch the game, I might even um, watch back that that last fifteen minutes um, again, G, because uh, yeah, some scenes and um, for all the um, the glory of the European Cup as we relived it uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, obviously, you know these are memories that I actually made as a as a Bath fan. I was there for the game, um, and I think it will it will certainly live long in my memory. Yeah, um, spot on, Tom. Not to kind of put a downer on it at the end, but um, you know we got four points from the game. Tigers got one, uh, which meant they remained in fourth position uh, in in the race for 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 for, for the top four, obviously, um, and then Bath. You know, as always, it's the hope that kills you. And we proceeded to lose our next game away at six ways, 25-19, a game we also went to and enjoyed considerably oh, yeah. less. Um, and then we lost our last game of the season away at Sale, uh, finishing fifth. We actually finished seven points behind Leicester Tigers in that season. So, um, yeah, all in vain, unfortunately, but nonetheless a fantastic, fantastic day. Yeah, Um so yeah, do go and check that um, game out, and and hopefully then uh, give us your your thoughts um, on the game. Any give us your thoughts as well on any game 
uh, you'd like us to to review um you know send us a link with it as well to save us uh, a little bit of scrambling around and yeah let us know what you what you think of our, our, our um historic review podcast hopefully you're enjoying them hopefully they're giving you sort of half an hour 45 minutes of um of, of break and, and blue black and white break from from yeah a pretty chaotic uh time in the world um, and I think it's important for us to to kind of know, I know we don't want to focus too much on, you know, the, the current situation, Tom, and, and coronavirus, um, but uh, Bath Rugby are doing a really good job at the moment on their social medias of, of tweeting out photos and, and little descriptions of Bath fans who are playing such a pivotal role on the front line against this fight against coronavirus, you know, NHS workers, other key workers. Um, so, so do go on there, check that out. If you know anyone, um, who is kind of going the extra mile at the moment, do get in touch with the club because I'm sure they'd be more than happy to kind of post that across their socials. Hopefully that'll give a bit of a lift to um, whoever it is to kind of um, help us through, uh, yeah, as I say, the, these times. So, um, yeah, good work from Bath Rugby. And, and, and if you are listening to this podcast and you are um, an NHS or frontline worker, then, yeah, we kind of echo the thoughts of everyone at the moment in, in appreciating um, exactly what you do and um, yeah fingers crossed you know when this season or next season uh, kind of comes around again Bath will find a, an apt way to kind of honour and thank the the NHS workers that are, are, are both you know members of the club but also sort of kind of members of the family be it the fans. Spot on mate couldn't have said it better. Cool. That just about wraps it up. Um, as I say, hope you've enjoyed it. Get in touch with us across social media at Bath Rugby Plug. Um, also, our, our Gmail account, Tom tracks that daily. I know he does. So, Bath Rugby Plug at gmail.com. Send, send him an email, see how long it takes him to get back to you. There's probably some on there from the 2017 clash. But um, yeah, do get in touch with us. Do stay safe and do stick behind the boys and everyone through thick and thin.